Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Ezra Levant is on the show. So that's about to happen. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Joey Grzecki, Pierre Francois, Aaron Bentley, Peter Rogers, Gula, Matthew Routley, Jim Sprague, Denton Frost, Tabitha Southey, and Adam Eminon. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody Half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. 
but often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. You called Pierre Trudeau a slut. Yeah. You told the president of Chiquita Banana to go fuck his mother. A vice president. And of the Roma people, you said... Gypsies are not a race. They're a shiftless group of hobos. They rob people blind. So my question for you is, and it's going to sound like a malicious question, but this is a genuine yeah, question. Okay. Are you an asshole or do you just play one on TV? Stephen Colbert plays an asshole on TV. Should we take you for real? Are you for real when you say these things? Well, I think that I am more real on TV than people who have themselves in private one way and then are in public a different way on TV. I think I'm, I, tr I, I try and be the same. Now I have a little more energy. Uh, I, I wear a suit and I put on TV makeup. So obviously it's a little bit of showbiz. I, I don't normally have 42 minute monologues at, at home. The missus says, keep it at the office. My point is though, I try and be the same person on in the media as I am in my own life. That said, different media have their different places. I, I've written for the Wall Street Journal. Right. Uh, once. Obviously, you have a different tone of voice there. I, I For years, I wrote the back page in Canadian Lawyer magazine. Right. Uh, obviously, a different tone than if you're writing for a tabloid, which I do now, The Sun, or a TV station that brands itself as Canada's most controversial TV station. So, yeah, you, you have a, a range, a personality range, but... I'm me. I write my own stuff. But you're yeah. So you're not. It's not performance art. It's not a. You're not like Ali G. You're not like. Well, like I wonder. Like, is this guy having a laugh on us? Is like, is he, is he like wi winding us up well, to see how we listen, respond? I haven't know? dressed up in a while, but sometimes I do put on a costume and do goofy things. I remember the very first uh, was it Arbor Day or something. Uh, Earth Day. Earth Day. Just for fun, I I chainsawed a. A tree, a little bush on the set. Now, I don't do that in real life. Is that a little bit of shtick like a John Stewart? Sure it is. But but even if there's a shtick, there's a point underneath it. And you I believe the points. Like we should take you at your word that you believe the things that you say. Well, yeah. I mean, is there something in particular you, you, you think I'm being disingenuous about? Like well, calling Pierre Trudeau a slut, that's not polite. I yeah. acknowledge that. But – and the TV station, I mean, I, I didn't uh, apologize for that, but the, the Sun, uh, Sun TV did, um, Sun News Network rather did. But here's the thing. I mean, I, I listed Pierre Trudeau's 
conquests. And these were not private things. These were, I mean, he would go out in public showing how virile he was with a with a, a new mistress, not his wife all the time. Typically, the word slut is used for promiscuous women. So part of the point there it is— It was feminist for you to turn that Well, it, you know what? I— in my entire life, I've never called a woman a slut because that word has a certain connotation. Yeah. But I love using that word for promiscuous men as a little point. Oh, you don't say that about men. You call men studs, men who deliberately v- flaunt their promiscuity to show how virile they are as opposed to those fuddy-duddies like Robert Stanfield. Oh, but don't you dare call him a Slut. Call him a stud. So you asked me to the question of are you for real? Is there anything in particular that I asked that in reference to? There is. When you apologized for what you said about the Roma people, was that a genuine apology? Were you sorry that you said that? I was very careful in what I said there. I said, here's what I'm the mistake I made. The mistake I made was painting everyone with a broad brush. And I, and I regret that. Absolutely, I do. You write a million words a year. You do 250 TV shows. You swing. Am I going to get it right? Yeah. You know, I mean, I've been sued in defamation court, in human rights commission. And you've in sued. CRTC. I'm going to say 50 times. Are you ever going to lose? Yeah. What media outlet doesn't occasionally lose? Sure, I'm going to. And do I wish I would never lose? Well, yeah. But if, if you're not bugging someone. You're probably not swinging hard enough. If you're in the news business, now if you're in and the commentary business, if you're in the weather business, being sued would be weird. If you're in the cooking show business, it would be weird. But I, I have to say, Jesse, yeah. it will not surprise me if in the next twelve months you are sued in defamation. It would not I surprise know, me. I know because you are pushing. Yeah, and believe it or not, once in a while you're going to get it wrong. And opinions aren't wrong. They're either reasonable or unreasonable, but you're going to get someone mad enough. I didn't ask you why, why you're sued so much. I, I asked I'm you, telling you, it's, <laughs> it's part of the same continuum. Right. But do you mean it when you apologize to the Roma people? Was that genuine? Was, did you mean, were you sorry for saying those things? I meant every word I said. I wrote every word I said, uh-huh. and I wrote them with great precision. Uh-huh. So this is a problem for me because I, I'm with you on, on freedom of speech. I'm a pretty I'm, I'm pretty close to a freedom of speech absolutist. Uh, there's you. not a lot that I don't think you I'm should be able to you say. I'm glad I you are. I also think that there's some things that if you say them, nobody needs to listen to you or ever talk to you. I agree with that as well. So I have a problem. Like so, this is something you said. You said the phrase "gypsy" and "cheater" have been so interchangeable historically that the word has entered the English language as a verb. He gypped me. You know what else has, is, is, is that? Is that true? Uh, that is true. You know what else is true is, is that it's entered the English language. Uh, he Jewed me That's is also true. yeah. And and so and, should we not say either of these things? Well, I think that you were arguing that they are in fact thieves, right? So when your grandfather came to Canada, there were people like you, like outspoken public commentators and and people who are part of the like acceptable co- conversation, who said the exact same things about these yeah. dirty thieving people, as if their reputation itself was enough to damn them. Yeah. Everyone knows that Jews are swindlers and they're dirty immigrants. Yeah. We shouldn't let them in here, and it bothers me. Mm-hmm. Am I giving a forum to a raving bigot right now? Well, for the third time, I, uh, you know, I, I wrote a very, very carefully and heartfelt apology where I very specifically outlined what I did morally wrong, which was paint everyone with the same brush. Mm-hmm. I can say that a third, a fourth time if you like. No, that's okay. So <laughs> I, I guess the answer is your apology was sincere. Yeah, but it was also specific for what did I do wrong? I, I broad brushed a group. Yeah. Right. 
I can say it a fifth time if you like. We, uh-huh. I mean, I'm, I'm here for the duration. No, I think I got you. <laughs> I think I got you. The, the, on the other side of why I would have you on the show and why I'm having you on the show is mm-hmm. that I, I talk about what's happening in the media and you are irrefutably a presence in the Canadian media. Which is really strange because there's a duality of people who criticize me. Half the people say, oh, no one watches him. No one pays him. He's, he's on channel a million. He's so irrelevant. No one watches the sun. The Globe and Mail has done 360 Stories mentioned me. Type it in there. Yeah. 360. Now, I wrote a letter to the editor. I, I want, it was very lighthearted. I want to correct something. They said, no, we don't run letters to correct facts. Swear to God. I can send you the email from their letters editor. Why don't I do that? You can post it. You already sent it to me. Oh, did I? Okay. And, well, hey, am I this obscure nobody, marginal, channel a million that no one cares about? No. Or am I someone that 360 articles in the globe? Isn't Doyle it interesting? That- John Doyle says that you have as, as few as 5,000 viewers per broadcast. Is that true? You know, I don't watch the ratings. I'm sure, I'm sure it's true. I mean, a typical news station in Canada, all news, uh, like BNN, typically gets ten to 20,000 views a day. So these days, I don't know what the numbers are. I think... Uh, you don't know what your numbers are? Why wouldn't you know what your numbers are? I don't get the, I don't, wouldn't that I don't concern get you? The, it does. I mean, I want to get more viewers, but I'm also know that when you're not on 60% of cable channels and when the ones you're on, you're on channel a million, it doesn't make a lot of sense to compare yourself against channels that have mandatory carriage. People call you the Canadian equivalent of a Bill O'Reilly or a Rush Limbaugh. Those guys have huge audiences. They're well, trouncing CNN. They're trouncing yeah. the competition. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe one day we'll live up to our name, Fox News North. I should say that some of my clips online, we post a lot of them online. Uh, I did a whole series on Attawapiskat, the, the Indian band. A few of those were three, four hundred thousand views. Yeah, um, I did one a few months ago on uh, Islamic State march in New York, quarter million views. So sometimes we hit a vein, and the viewership online is enormous. And what is the commonality? I mean, I, I'm curious. I am curious. Of course, I want more people to view and read and watch my stuff. I, I like to promote my ideas. I'm doing this not just as a job. I'm doing this as a mission. What is the commonality between the Attawapiskat stuff? the Islamic State protest in New York, the stuff that goes viral. I'll tell you what it is. It's stuff that the media party doesn't talk about, but that ordinary Canadians really want to hear about. But we've established that the media does talk about you like... No, no, not talk about me. Right. Talk about subjects. The issues themselves. Like, can we have an honest discussion of what the hell went wrong in Adelabaskat? Yeah. How can you pour a quarter of a billion dollars into a town of 2,000 and yet have poverty? How can you, in the height of the housing crisis... Buy a new Zamboni for $80,000, have it shipped up. You had an old Zamboni, yeah. but you want a new one. And you spend as much to bring it up. That, how do you do that in the middle of a housing crisis? I think a lot of folks who actually had their hearts broken seeing the leaky housing up there wanted to hear the other side of the story. We're pouring in all these millions of dollars. Where the hell is it going? And most media are are afraid to talk about that. All right, well, let's 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 get some focus here. I think that it's arguable that Sun News Television has failed to connect with uh, with Canadians. What we definitely agree on is is that uh, you are not ignored. Well, the Hill Times, it's a, it's a, on Parliament Hill newspaper, surveyed Hill staff. I don't know if you saw this. They asked a bizarre question: Which pundit would you, would you most like to silence? Isn't that a strange question for uh-huh. a journalist to ask? Who would you like to silence? It's so that's like chicken saying who here loves Colonel Sanders. What journalist would say who would you like to censor or silence? That's crazy. That shows you the sickness. as a question. You object to the question. Well, I mean, I guess it's a it's a weird question, but it, it's 
it's so unjournalisticy. But we ha- people in in Canadian journalism don't believe in free speech. By the way, I don't think journalists believe in free speech other than when they're talking about themselves. But I was chosen by far as the number one choice there with Rex Murphy in second place. John Doyle of the Globe and Mail calls me the most irritating person on TV. But Globe and Mail online viewers in some online poll shows me the biggest name, whatever that means. These things are not mutually exclusive. The fact that that the same people who find me irritating and want to shut me up, other people say, we like the fact that he's causing trouble. It's a little bit of Jesse Brown has the same thing. People want to shut you up. Yeah. You're, you're punching above your weight. I don't know how many listens you get on your podcast and why. The same things people love and hate about you. It's a similar thing. Why? Because you are a dissident. Well, let me let me make a distinction here. Um, and by the way, I'm not going to accuse you uh-huh. of sexism because you go after Amanda Lang or racism because you go after Gian Gameshi. I'm going to say, <laughs> let's hear what you have to say. Well, this is what I have to say. Uh, is my big question about you, actually. Like, nishta hey, nishta hair, fish or fowl, <laughs> what are you, man? So Rush Limbaugh, you might hate what he has to say, but he has a mandate, okay? He reflects the views of millions of Americans. I might be really irritating to a lot of people in the media. I might be irritating to people who listen to me, but I have the mandate. I'm funded by my audience. They give me uh, a living to do this work. Now, you- I find you slightly irritating- But incredibly valuable because you're the only person who's willing to break the cartel. (laughs) So let's talk about you. You are on Sun News Television, which I think has an uncertain future and uh, incredibly low ratings uh, and the need to improve for it to continue to exist. Bigger than BNN, for example. Looking at you uh, as an entirety, I mean, you you describe yourself as Canada's foremost freedom fighter and and you take donations to fight for freedom, I guess, in some sort of an activist role. You've also been a paid lobbyist for the tobacco and oil industries and you also speak uh, for the oil industry at the conferences. I have not been a a lobbyist for oil, I want to correct you. You've never been a lobbyist for oil? No. you got to go edit your Wikipedia article. Okay. (laughs) Uh, You've got to do better research. research. Then Wikipedia. Okay. You can can go on the lobbyist registry and it's all uh, all disclosed. Okay. So you've lobbied for tobacco and you're paid by oil when you speak for those companies, right? I, I have a speaking fee. I occasionally, I'm trying to think the last time I spoke to an oil company would be years ago. I typically speak at oil conventions. I look at where the money comes from to figure out how people are able to exist in the public conversation, yeah. right? Are you paid by the CBC? Are you paid by your audience? Are you paid by some company? Yeah. I think you're paid by a bunch of people, right? And you have a bunch of hats that you wear. Yeah. And you've got the, the same conflict that I've identified elsewhere of, you know, you cover people. Like, you, you take money from people that you've covered. Like, if I do a no. close audit, like, you, you don't take money from people you cover? I, I don't talk about companies on my show. When was the last time I talked about a company? Well, you, you speak at oil conventions, but you and you're a fierce advocate for for the the tar sands. The industry for the right. industry and for the oil sands. I think that that probably qualifies. If, sure. if a man in land qualifies, that qualifies, and maybe you're comfortable with that. I'm not. I, I, but I'm, I'm not you know, dating to... anyone from. A, <laughs> here, let me let me tell I'll you. I'll find right. out later. Well, I want to let me say this. If there's anyone out there who who doubts that I am an oil advocate, let me put that doubt to rest. I created an advocacy group called Ethical Oil before the Sun News Network was even born. But there's, a, there's some people would see a contradiction between journalism and activism. I'm an activist journalist. An, an activist I'm, journalist. I'm, yeah. And, and I'm not a reporter. Now, right. I do report things fairly often. I regard myself as a commentator and an advocate and an activist. Mm-hmm. And I don't – and my show is called Commentary. And I don't hide any of these affiliations. Um, Are you a shill? No, because a shill implies that I'm doing it for a collateral reason. 
It's the opposite. I can't – you know, when I wrote my book, Ethical Oil, I did not consult a single person in the oil industry. Yeah. It, my book was a complete surprise to them. They were, who is this guy? Because I – because frankly, my ideas were different than were in the industry. And second of all, I, I didn't want to be a PR spokesman for the industry. In fact, I wanted to criticize how they thought of themselves. Now, after about six months, they warmed up to me and said, oh, well, we like this book. And, and I think a lot of people have taken the, the vocabulary of ethical oil. Yeah, they have. You know, I mean, it's an interesting situation. A journalist, you know, if your interest is in the truth, you know, you can still take a position, have an opinion about something, but you're also – your opinion is up for grabs. So maybe you think that the oil industry is uh, ethical compared to the oil industries of some other miserable countries and their human rights abuses and environmental abuses. And I would maybe take issue with, well, why don't we look at it in contrast to other industries in Canada? But, you know, you got your position in, in, in that book, Ethical Oil. But a journalist – can change their mind. A journalist can say, you know what, maybe we become over-reliant on this industry and maybe the dollar's tanking and it's going to take down everything with it because we become a mono-industry country and you might write, you know what, I'm going to amend and reverse myself. But if you're taking, if you're affiliated with that industry and I'm, if you're an activist affiliated? for that industry. Well, I'm not, okay, I'm not an activist for an industry. I'm not an activist for a company. Like I will say, let me say it right now in case there's any doubt. Let me pick a company out of the blue, Shell. Mm-hmm. Shell that conducts business in Nigeria Nigeria is a conflict oil region. I despise the the way that oil is made in those regions by companies that are based in the West. But that same company, Shell, that does business in Alberta, I know how they do business because I'm an Albertan and I see with my own eyes, but I study it. So I, I don't, you know. Let's trash talk Shell and Nigeria together right now. Let's trash talk oil companies that do business. Let's trash talk Total, which pulled out of. Canada's oil sands, but is doing business, just signed a deal with Vladimir Putin to frack. Canadian oil and gas is the most ethical in the world, more ethical and better environmentalism than even even our friends in the United States. Do I love any particular company? No, because it's not the company that makes oil ethical. The same company that can be very badly behaved in another jurisdiction must be well behaved in Canada because of our laws and our culture. I'm not like Leslie... Roberts or, or Amanda Lang, where I, I, right. I don't know if you watch my show. I don't talk about, I mean, I, occasionally I refer to pipe. I'm pro-pipeline, the same way I'm pro-road. I mean, the idea of being against a pipeline, a technology as old, old as the Roman aqueducts is bizarre to me. <laughs> I'm, but I don't say, oh, here's an interesting company. This stock is a hot stock. I don't talk about, did you watch my show? I don't talk about companies. I talk about ethical oil versus conflict oil and how we've got to, you know, if you're not buying oil from Canada, tell me what country you believe is more ethical. But as an ideological pit bull, you are a useful person to have in the mix for a huge interest in this country. Here's the thing. I actually break news. on. I probably, me and my team probably does 200 access to information requests a year. Uh-huh. And let's say 20 of those are newsworthy and I roll with them. I think I break some pretty good news on the show, but no one repeats it because I am a dissident like you. And people, oh, that's an Ezra story. Oh, And in fact, rather than following stories yeah. I break, they try and nitpick them or criticize them. I think that- I'm going to send you some tips and I'm not even going to ask you to give me credit. You, well, I, I always credit my source unless they ask otherwise. But, you know, I think that you and, and Brian Lilio as well have, have uncovered things that need to get talked about. But I think that because of the fierce ideological stance of Sun, and, you know, there is hatred towards the organization, uh, you're right, people don't pick it up. I want to talk about this freedom fighter thing. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you know, when it comes to fighting for freedom of speech, I have to give you total proper respect. I mean, you, the state asked you what 
your intention was in publishing the Mohammed cartoons, which everybody should have done in 2006. And you said, my intentions are none of your fucking business, and I'm not going to be subjected to a thought crime trial. And I, 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 I have to take a second to regard the, 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 you know, that you took that stand and you put yourself on the line there. But as a guy who fights for freedom and you call yourself Canada's foremost freedom fighter and you take donations for fighting for freedom, you've also said – that we should be locking up. We're at war with terrorism. And under the rules of war, prisoners of war get locked up for the duration of the war. This is a war without end, the war against terrorism. And you've said that we should just be locking up any uh, anybody who's, uh, you know, I, I don't know, suspected of terrorism or, you know, and, and, and that no, is no, no. You, that, me, what, what that actually says to the Let like, me state my own view. Liberties. Let me state my views. Okay, the, go for it. I, I believe that um, if you were at war with another party, whether it's World War II, where we had thousands of German POWs in Alberta even. We had POW camps in Alberta, and they were not charged with crimes. There was no legal process. When you caught someone from the Wehrmacht and in France, and they were put on a ship and then a train and went to a POW camp in Alberta, they were not put on trial. They didn't commit a crime. No. They were soldiers, and it is the law of war that, in fact, it's a very humane law of war. You don't kill them. Mm-hmm. You don't prosecute them for being a soldier in the enemy's army, unless they've committed a crime, a war crime, you just hold them. You keep them off the field of battle. Until the war's over. Right. And then, and actually, I'm, I, I knew a fellow who, when the war was done, he loved Canada so much he stuck around. So if we catch a terrorist, yeah. if we are engaged in a lawful war, which we were in Afghanistan and which we are now doing in Iraq, and we catch a terrorist, which Omar Khadr... He actually was an unlawful but combatant. But you said this in reference to the guys in France who were not captured under any of those circumstances. Would you think that the Toronto 18 should be considered prisoners of war? No. They should go through the criminal justice system. That's right. I'm okay. talking about people okay. in Guantanamo Bay. You're someone yeah. in, in a war. You hold them until the war is over. It's nuts to- I must to, be confused. I think I'm going off of a broadcast where you were talking about the most recent guys in-, in, in Who were already convicted, et cetera. Convicted. Yeah. How are these guys released and they shouldn't yeah. be and they should be locked up in Guantanamo, uh, you know, as long as this war is Yeah, if- uh, in, I, I, I don't have my notes in front of me, but my understanding is one of the terrorists in Paris had actually been convicted of terrorism and was engaged in terrorism overseas. Is that your- I'm sorry, I don't have my notes in front of me. I wasn't- uh, uh, Okay, it's, it's worth looking into yeah, later. So if that's if, the case, that's why the hell would making. you- Why the hell would you let a, a terrorist who actually went overseas to conduct terrorism, why would you let him go until the war is over? Are we in a war on terror here in Canada, on domestic soil in Canada? Well, it has been declared against us, and we are- I, we are at war with the Islamic State, with Al-Qaeda, and with Taliban. We are. And it's a legal war. And it, now, if someone pops up in Toronto and says, I'm going to go and fight this war, are they a POW or are they just a criminal? I haven't thought the, through the legalities of that yet. I think we should hold terrorists until the war is over. As a freedom-loving and freedom-fighting Canadian, shouldn't you be putting your efforts towards the rise of the surveillance state that is that is completely uh, unprecedented invasion on Canadian civil liberties? I mean, I don't hear you talking about CSEC and CSIS. I don't hear you talking about the erosion of privacy and freedom as the state has encroached upon individual liberty in a, in a way that I don't think I'd ever see in my life. Well, when I go back to my computer, I'll send you an interview I did with uh, the former uh, Minister of Public Security, Vic Taves, where I went through quite very specifically through his proposed uh, – I'm sorry, I can't. I don't want to guess the name of the bill by memory. I believe it was C30. Okay, I, I'll send you my video. Lawful I'm, access, I'm, I'm not going to call it interrogation, but I, I gave a, quite a vigorous right. uh, examination of that. Okay, um, I am not fetishizing fetishizing uh, 
stopping our security services. I believe our security services need to have certain powers. I want to control those and limit them and make them reasonable and make them have to go through some hoops like they have to for, to get a, a, a search warrant. I don't want warrantless searches. We have that, though. It, and I'll, I'll, I mean, if you're asking me about my bona fides on but that you, issue. But you, I mean, you're, you're pointing to an interview, and, and, and I think that's wonderful that you did well, that. Well, you, show you, me when, anyone when else you, who did that. When Ezra Levant, well, I, I could show you uh, my work or, or Justin Ling's, or I could okay, show so you. Okay, so I'm uh, in your you know, category. Okay, but you know, you, when you stump on an issue, you stump on it hard, man. You, 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 no one shuts you up. Where have you been on this? Well, where is there a bill that's at issue? I mean, I Ezra, I am concerned by your lack of concern about what America and Canada have been doing to their own citizens. I am concerned about that, but don't pretend that because a few tidbits of what Assange and Snowden stole happened to shed a light on the biggest search. mass surveillance campaign in the history of the world. And if that was the only thing that was released, I would agree with you that those were the problems. But a, a larger problem is that those were simply anti-American leaks. I will agree with you that we are at war with terror in Canada when you agree with me that we are at war with bears. I don't 14 be- Canadians since 9-11 have been killed by bears. I don't believe – Only two have been killed on Canadian soil by, by what you might call a terrorist. I'm not uh, – I'm not saying we're at war with terror because terror is a tactic. But where I do you stand on the war against bears? Uh, bears are not um, people. They don't have a conscience. They don't have a plan. They're a threat. I mean, they're a threat to your most basic freedom because they will kill you. I agree that we should, if a bear makes it to the city limits and if we can't tranquilize it and take it back to the wild, I hate to say it, we should put the bear down to protect human life. Should we uh, curtail our own civil liberties and privacy because of the threat of bears, which is a threat that is, you know, uh, you know, seven times greater than the threat of terrorism if the statistics are, are any indication? Well, first of all, I'm going to disagree with you because, of course, we had over 150 Canadians die at the hands of terrorists in Afghanistan. And almost every month we see uh, Canadians charged with terrorism in Canada. And of course, we have over 100 Canadians fighting for the Islamic State right now. So I disagree with you that only two people have died uh, from terrorism. On domestic soil is what I said. Well, and, and that's where we're being spied on. And that's where our, our well, if, uh, if G20 and our ability to move we around. Don't, we uh, don't need uh, warrantless surveillance on bears because that's not how you stop a bear. But that is how you sometimes stop a terrorist. But I don't, but I, but let me, let me give you, let me concede something. I don't believe that that the high tech hoover everything into a massive computer at the NSA and try and find a bad guy that way. I think that some of that is necessary. I think we should have limits on it, civil liberties limits. But I don't even think that that's the way you stop terrorism. Nor torture, which we know doesn't work. I think you stop terrorism. I mean, I, I can think of two things we should do. First of all, I think if someone's immigrating from a terrorist uh, affiliated country, Afghanistan, Egypt, Iran, Pakistan, places where the Taliban, al-Qaeda, et cetera, run rife. I think we should, even in the gentlest way, inquire whether or not the thousands of immigrants we bring in from those countries share the philosophy of the jihad and share our Canadian philosophy of the equality of men and women, separation of mosque and state, pluralism, nonviolent solutions to problems. Uh, Thought thought crimes. Well, uh, those ideas themselves aren't thought crimes, but when those ideas turn to action, like honor killings, then we – or I, I believe it's – What about co- – I mean the fear was your ideas were turned to action when you published the Muhammad cartoons. We don't, we don't punish ideas. But here. I'm not calling for the, the death of anyone. There are mosques across Canada where every Friday imams call on Canadians and say the proper thing to do with gays, adulteresses, infidels is killing them. Here in Canada, we're only two – 
Canadians who uh, are being, you know, Islamic fascist, uh, arguably terrorists, have actually taken life. The phantom menace of terrorism on our soil in opposition to the Canadian ideal of being a place where people who are bedraggled and oppressed can come, where your forefathers and mine came to this country, some of whom had radical political beliefs and were known to be swindlers and thieves. I mean, I question your patriotism. I mean, you're not into multiculturalism and, and, and uh, immigration without this kind of uh, questioning people's ideals and religious beliefs and, and politics. You're not into French Canada. You're not into to, uh, the environment. No, or, I'm more into French Canada than you. I get my paycheck every week from Quebec. <laughs> from, from PKP. You're, you're uh, pro-life, right? You, you, you've been against uh, universal health care. You're anti-Canada. You're, <laughs> you're, way, you're not even with the conservatives in this country. You know, um, there are so many more people who f- feel the way you do in Texas. Like, why are you here? Well, because first of all, I am Canadian. Second of all, my views, I think I'm, I'm on the right side of the spectrum, but the party I would vote for, the conservatives, is, well, I mean, compare it to the vote the Liberal Party got last time. I mean, what is it, twice as many people voted for Stephen Harper as for the Liberals last time? I think, I don't know the stats offhand. So I, I think my views are more mainstream than, say, I don't know, uh, David Suzuki's. But... I want to get back to my point about certain ideas being non-negotiable. Okay. I think that once you come to Canada and are a Canadian citizen, a citizen you should have the right to have odious ideas. That goes to the, the freedom of speech that you and I, I think, see eye to eye on. But just because we grant that right to someone who is a Canadian doesn't mean we have to import someone to Canada who is odious as a foreigner. For example, the Westboro Baptist Church. These are, it's not even a real church. It's like a, it's like a mini cult around a couple of guys. They go to these funerals and say, God hates fags sure. or God hates USA. Now, do I believe he has the right to say that? Yeah, I do actually. But would I want him to be an immigrant to Canada? No, I don't. Would I want him to be refused an application to immigrate to Canada? Yeah. Is that, is that a double standard? Am I being a hypocrite? No. Did the British Canadians want your grandfather to come be a Canadian? Obviously, and I don't. I never met my great grandfather. He came over here in 1903. I don't think he was political. I think he was. In fact, they sought him out. But this society hated our people. Uh, well, they certainly let in a lot of them, and they've certainly let uh, Jews rise to the highest heights. Well, nobody let us do. I mean, we, we did. Jews, Jews did that. But I mean, in, a, in a country that was free. But I. But. What I'm, I'm not talking. Question... About, but I'm not talking about someone harmless like those old fools at the Westboro Baptist Church. I'm talking about people who believe in the literal truth of their holy book that says "kill the infidel." Who are you talking about? I mean, I don't know these Muslims in Canada. They're, they're... I don't. I'm guessing you don't know a lot of Muslims. But let me, instead of basing it on your anecdotes or my anecdotes, let's take the Enveronics poll taken right after the Toronto 18. Uh, 13% of Canadian Muslims surveyed by Enveronics, 13% supported the Toronto 18. Now, there's 1.3, 1.4 million Muslims. Even if that number was off by tenfold. They, a lot of them supported them because they were set up by the cops and they never were going to do anything. No, no, no. I'm, they, I'm not talking about support them legally. I'm going to support well, the goals the of How is question phrased? Well, you can look it up yourself. I can send you the link. Ezra, we're deep inside your material and you are a, a, a playful combatant and, you're, and, you're, and you riff and, you're, and you're, you have a way with rhetoric. But I'm going to ask you a question that I, I actually want you to reflect on because right. I know that you, know, you, you, you spend your life in public discourse and there's all – it's easy to just kind of go. But I want you to think about this because history, it's been filled with people who have fought passionately 
for terrible causes. I mean, slavery, Nazism, communism, McCarthyism, apartheid, they've all had champions. And I disagree with every one of those. They, but, and, we, and history has, they're on the wrong side of history. And, and, and they had people who just like you believed in them completely and argued for them ferociously. Do you ever worry that you might be one of these people? Do you ever worry that you're dedicating your life and your intelligence and your rhetoric and your energy to causes that might be making the world worse? Of course. I think about that all the time. I think about my ideas all the time. I read a, more criticism of myself than praise. I, at the end of my show, I prefer to read critical emails than praise. I mean, once in a while, uh, you, you know, people say, why do you never read my letters? If I write you hate mail, will you read it on the show? I mean, I, I, I take very seriously the criticism against me. Uh, and I'm constantly checking my my bearings. Have you have you time. reversed yourself on anything? Uh, well, you mentioned pro life. I don't. I mean, being pro life is not a central pillar of my show. I mean, out of a thousand shows I've done, I'm not talking about the percentage I, of content. It, it, have you changed your mind? Well, on yeah. Issue? I mean, when I was a kid, I was pro choice. Uh -huh. Now that I'm in my in my forties, I'm pro life. And maybe being a dad is part of that. Or maybe also, yeah. I mean, and and frankly, on the death penalty, I've become a little bit less supportive of it. So uh, I, I guess you could have said as a youngster, I was pro-death, that is pro-choice uh, pro and, and pro-death penalty. But now I, I'm a little less gleeful yeah. about, I mean, I'm not saying I would ban abortions. And, I'm, and I think that we certainly need more criminal punishment. But I, I don't, uh, so that's one example of where I've, I've changed my views. But let me say this, and it goes back to my belief in free speech. And, and John Milton, who made these arguments centuries ago, his arguments have not been improved on, the case for free speech. It's that we have to check and double check every assumption we make all the time. And there's no better way to do that than with a passionate and zealous test of the idea by allowing every criticism possible. And what truth can't stand a criticism? What truth is so weak it can, it, it, I mean, if we truly believe in the liberal ideas that I know you do, Surely, if those ideas are right, they're strong enough to, to warrant a scrutiny. And I believe that my scrutiny actually occasion, of these liberal sacred cows actually occasionally brings about a change. Um, I was part of the movement to scrutinize and criticize and challenge the Canadian Human Rights Code. Oh, my God. How could you possibly change the Canadian Human Rights yeah, Act? Yeah, and you did. It's you a changed. saintly. It's saintly. You're an evil man. You're like the Nazis and Hitler and KKK, <laughs> all these things. You, you know what? I fought, along with others, Mark Stein, many bloggers, and after five years, there was a private member's bill in the House of Commons that passed. So I put it to you that being a contrarian and a dissident and tenacious and fighting when people say, shut up, Ezra, if I do it in a peaceful, lawful way, occasionally, not only am I right, but I can convince others I'm right. And if I don't convince people the rest of the time, I have not threatened violence. I have not done anything wrong. And that's why I say to my fellow Jews, never support censorship. Because first of all, Jews shouldn't be censors. Jews are the ones whose books were burned historically. Jews believe in a debate. But second of all, when a Jew calls for censorship of anti-Semite, and that's happened a lot in Canada over the last 40 years, all that does is feed the conspiracy theories of Jews, controlling what we say, and you give a martyr complex to people who are censored. 
you'd, we'd turned a goofy guy in a hard hat, Ernst Zundel, from a loser schmuck nobody mm-hmm. into a global celebrity. We took David Ahenikew, a grandpa kook who said some dumb thing about Nazi at some conference, and we turned him into a national martyr because we prosecuted him for hate crimes. Why are we turning nobodies into heroes by prosecuting them? There's so many better ways to debate and refute or ignore someone rather than censor them. When we try to suppress a kook, we turn them into a bigger thing than, than they need to be. I couldn't agree with you more. Ezra Levant, thank you very much. Thanks, Jesse. That was your Canada Land Show. I hope you enjoyed it. I can be reached at jesse at jessebrown.ca. I read them all. I respond when I can. I'm on Twitter at jessebrown. The website is canadalandshow.com, and the crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. The next episode of Canada Land Shortcuts will be up on Thursday. If you like this show, support it. And I said uh, I said it in Spanish, which is a slightly different meaning, but close enough. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.